Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back into basketball conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Mike McDaniel. Joey Weaver still out. He's going to be presenting his picks to us though later on. We'll still drop that in. So, in lieu of Joey, we have a first time guest on this podcast. He's not a first time guest for me. I, I've talked to him on Mark Rogers TV, I've talked to him on other podcasts. But there was one guy I had in mind to come on and help us recap week zero and preview week one of the 2022 season in the ACC. Tony Syracuse, last word on college football. He's on the Wake Forest beat. He's an East Coast guy now. Tony, what's going on? We didn't have any sort of like time, like, like time zone mishaps or anything like that. We were able to both record in Eastern Standard Time for the first time ever. Yeah, I still have to get used to it. I mean, I've been in, I've been living in Charlotte for about five months now after 50 plus years in California. So there's still some times when, you know, someone wants me to record, I get a message from you. I'm like, well, what time is that for me? I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's the same time. You know, there's, I, I, I was always having to do these adjustments and, you know, math and they had promised me math wouldn't be part of this job. So, you know, I'm glad to be on the same time zone as you now. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, we always made it work before, but this makes it just a little bit easier. It does. So let's start, let's start here, Tony. There were two week zero games that we should absolutely touch on. Um, mm-hmm. One of them I want to talk in a little bit more detail than the other. So let, let's start with, um, and I'm throwing you off already on this, on this outline I put together for you. Throwing you off right ahead. Let's start with the North Carolina game first. North Carolina beats sure. Florida A&M on Saturday mm-hmm. in week zero, 56 to 24. There mm-hmm. were a couple of takeaways I had from the game. And it's interesting because I was watching the ACC network coverage after the game. Everybody was talking about how great Drake may looked. Agreed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Through, through five touchdown passes against an FCS team. Okay. That's what you're supposed to do as a freshman. Right. The bigger concern I had was the North Carolina defense that, you know, they, they bring in Gene Chizik, right? Because the defense has been abject disaster the last couple of seasons. They get rid of Jay Bateman. They bring in Gene Chizik, you know, <laughs> new but old defensive coordinator to try to kind of reinstill consistency on that side of the football. They gave up over five yards per play against an FCS team down over 20 starters. Right. I am nervous about this North Carolina defense, Tony, and that was my biggest takeaway from their blowout win. I think that's appropriate. Um, I know Mac Brown yesterday in his weekly press conference uh, that, you know, we caught uh, late yesterday had some of the same concerns. He was really pleased with the offense, you know, as you would think, you know, you would be when you get 600 yards or whatever it was that they got of offense. Right. Um, but it was the defense um, giving up too many first downs on third and medium to third and short. They didn't give up a lot of big plays, but they were giving up first downs. And 
So I think there is some concern on that going forward. Again, as you say, they were missing 20, 21 players who didn't get their transfer portal stuff done or the school didn't get the transfer portal stuff done. Um, but, you know, a lot of those players were also on defense. So I'm not sure that we can really kind of ding the FAMU. I hated when the TV broadcast kept calling them FAMU. It drove me nuts. Yeah, uh, right. The, the FAMU offense, they were what they were. You got out of there healthy if you're North Carolina, which was the biggest thing because these games against FCS opponents can be a little dangerous early on for a team that, you know, you should beat them. You should beat them badly. And really, if you're the coach, you hope you win and you hope you get out of there healthy. Those are your first two priorities. I, I thought May looked pretty good. I mean, he threw for 294 yards and five touchdowns and, um, I thought he looked pretty poised. I know Mac Brown yesterday gave a lot of credit to the offensive line. They gave up no sacks uh, the entire day. So I thought that was pretty good. I talked to Phil Longo on Sunday and, you know, the offensive coordinator for, for UNC. And Phil was happy with the way they played. Conversely, he said they need to be getting more first downs. They had big plays. There wasn't really a lot of drives where they had to convert third downs, third and short into first. So, you know, he had wanted to go about 22 to 23 players deep on offense. And he did get to do that. He did get to substitute quite a bit, um, played a lot of young guys, but he said he was pleased with how smart they played for being so young. You know, this is a team that's got to redo its offense. You don't have Sam Howell. You don't have British Brooks who is going to be the starting running back who's out for the season. So they're kind of having to redo the offense on the fly. And, uh, and Phil Longo seemed pretty pleased. And like I said, as far as the, the defense, Mac Brown had some of the same thoughts you did about, you know, they've got to shore up preventing the first down. I thought overall the young running backs look good as well. I mean, with no mm -hmm. British Brooks, you know, um, you go into the year, well, you, you enter the spring and you're like, all right, we're going to have British Brooks. And mm -hmm. then, you know, you get to game one and he's not healthy anymore for a running back room that lost Ty Chandler. That's a lot right. to swallow. Um, so I, I thought overall, though, um, the, the running backs look good. George Petaway, I thought, was was solid. They got a young stable there, even without having British Brooks in the lineup. So I thought overall the the offense looked good. I, I'm not sure, and, and we'll we'll know more. I think this weekend against App State, which we'll get into here in a few minutes, I think we'll know more about this North Carolina offense that's replacing mm -hmm. a lot of pieces. I think more importantly, we'll know more about this defense that was returning yes, a lot of pieces that didn't look yes, very good um, for the majority of the football game uh, this past Saturday, but it'll be interesting to see how much of a drop-off there is at quarterback from Sam Howell. I'm sure it'll pop up at some point just because, you know, when you got a guy who's been in the program three years, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off when you go to, sure go to a freshman quarterback, but Drake Mays really talented, highly touted recruit right. was expected to be a very good player. And he looked the part in, in, in an FCS tune-up game, which is, I think what, what you're looking for. You, you just brought up something interesting. You called it an FCS tune-up game. And I know we're going to get to, to, week one previews later on but let me just throw this into the mix and we, we can mull it over whenever you're ready 
is it possible that they were looking ahead to App State? I mean, now think about, I mean, I think we all need to take a step back and say, wow, wait a second. Someone was looking ahead to Appalachian State. That's that. That's a whole new college football dynamic. But, you know, hey, maybe it's possible. There's been so much hype about that game in, in, here in the state of North Carolina that maybe it's possible. Yeah, and it's it's one of the biggest games of the weekend in the yeah. ACC in terms of how competitive a lot of people are expecting it to be. That line, by the way, is that betting line we'll get into in a few minutes. It's been all over the place. Right. Um, let's move on to the other week zero game. Florida State mm-hmm. beat Duquesne 47 to 7. Uh, you know, real quick, Florida State had three rushers go over 100 yards mm-hmm. in their running back room for the first time in school history. Ward, Benson, and Toa Feely all looked really good. Treshawn Ward, 14 carries, 127, two scores. Trey Benson, 105 yards on 11 carries. I mean, both of those guys, <clears throat> in particular, over nine yards per carry, looked really, really good. And then Toa Feely mm-hmm. late in the game, 101 yards, touchdown. It's like, yeah, it is Duquesne, but it's good to see right, Florida right. State run the ball with somebody other than Jordan Travis, because <laughs> if there was anything going into this year I wanted to see, it was can Florida State take a little bit of pressure in the running game off Travis so he doesn't get himself hurt? Well, you need it. You, you need going forward. You need Travis not to be the entire offense. Um, right. You know, right. you need the passing. He's a look. He's a very good dual threat quarterback, but you need him to not have to carry all of your yardage. Um, they got 638 yards of total offense. 408 came from him passing. So you got a good chunk of yardage from others. I mean, he, he carried some of the running game, but as you point out, he didn't have to carry quite as much. Um, they were averaging eight and a half yards of play, uh, which is, is really very impressive. Again, with the asterisk, it, it, it is Duquesne. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, when they go to the, the Superdome this weekend to play LSU uh, and, and play a real defense. But I think if you're Florida State, you don't take anything for granted. The rest of us are going to say, yeah, it was Duquesne, whatever. For Florida State, and and I listened to Mike Norvell's press conference last night, and you know, look, he was happy. It was a lot of positive takeaways. He was not about to say, "Oh well, you know, it's Duquesne. Let's see what happens." That's for people like you know the two of us to do. Um, but there were a lot of positives that came out of it. And if you're Florida State and you're Mike Norvell, you're you're happy to have any of those positives, no matter where they come from. Yeah, definitely. It's just nice to see the offense clicking on on all cylinders, you know, much mm-hmm. like it was to see North Carolina's offense do what they did in that football game. Um, it's good to see, you know, both offenses kind of operating on schedule, right, mm-hmm. in, in games leading up to, you know, the real bulk of the schedule, right? They're playing right. in week zero for a reason, right, right. against right. FCS teams. I mean, outside of uh, – there were a couple – a couple of matchups I had my eye on in week zero, but overall it was a pretty light slate. So what you want to see, especially in the ACC, it was two FCS games. You want to see, you know, are these teams on schedule? And I, and I think, you know, with the exception of North Carolina's defense, which you just talked about, I think we can largely say, okay, UNC's offense looks pretty good replacing mm-hmm. pieces. Florida state's offense looks exactly how we anticipated. It may be a little bit better even in the running mm-hmm. game. So those were two week zero games, and now comes the the bulk of of why we're here today, Tony. Right. Sure. Week one, it's finally sure. it's finally here. College football right. is really really back. I, yes. It was back for you and I last weekend. 
but it's been it's been back for me since training camp started in 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 you know in, in August. It's funny. One of the things that always amuses me, and this was back when I was, I mean, over the last five years, I've covered SMU, I've covered UCLA, and now covering Wake Forest and the ACC. Conference media days always were kind of amusing to me because, right. you know, you start in mid-July and all the coaches are there. And one of the things the coaches always talk about is, hey, we hope you all had a great summer. Now I was sitting here in Charlotte, you know, where it was 90% humidity and hundred degrees and in the middle of July or third week of July, I hope you had a great summer because the college football calendar just operates and completely different from normal right. people calendars, yeah, you know? Yeah. Summer, summer starts in, summer starts in May and right. ends in the beginning First of July. Week of July. Right. Right. Yeah. We don't right. operate on normal people calendars. We operate exactly. on, on college football calendars. Exactly. So for most of the population, college football is, is back this weekend yep. for yep. you and I, it's been back for uh, the better part of like two months. Uh, sure. What, we're going to go in chronological order as we always okay. do here. We're going to we're going to pick this pick these games. We're going to break them down. Obviously, there are a few that are kind of throwaways that we'll just mention in passing and just. I, I think Tony, you and I can kind of take the approach, kind of like we did with the Week Zero recap, where here's what we would like to see out of like Miami against Bethune Cookman. Right. right. Sure, um, sure. So let's start here. Thursday night, mm-hmm. backyard brawl, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. West Virginia traveling to Pittsburgh, the old Heinz Field. It's now Acrisure Stadium. I don't, I'm Whatever. always going to call it Heinz Field. <laughs> Wake Forest traveling on the road to number 17 Pittsburgh, reigning ACC champs. Pittsburgh seven and a half point favorite over under set at 52. That's 7 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Tony, a couple things off the top here. Number one. I, I'm curious to see if this Neil Brown experiment at West Virginia is going to continue past this season because mm-hmm. it's been very mediocre, I think, mm-hmm. relative to what West Virginia was expecting when they hired him away from Troy and right, Tina right. Holgerson left for Houston because he left. Uh, well, I don't want to say amicably, but we'll say that like he left semi on his own terms, but he kind of right, saw the right. writing on the wall right. and you hire Neil Brown and it's going much worse than it did with Holgerson. So West Virginia is replacing like nine starters on defense. They have a new quarterback in JT Daniels, former USC, former Georgia quarterback. Mm-hmm. Ironically, on the other side, Pittsburgh is replacing Kenny yeah. Pickett with another USC quarterback. Right. Clovis. This is an ACC podcast on the Pittsburgh side. I think Pittsburgh could win the coastal mm-hmm. despite what they've lost. Right. I, they have a very good defense returning. They still have talent on the offensive side of the ball, especially on the offensive line. But there are a couple questions I have for Pittsburgh. Number one, quarterback play, right? Replacing Kenny Pickett. But number two, how are you going to replace your offensive coordinator, right? Because right. Signetti is coming in and Mark Whipple is out. And Mark Whipple's offense set records at Pittsburgh last year. But Pat Narduzzi apparently thought he threw the ball too much. <laughs> so we're going backwards in time now with Pittsburgh's offense. And that is my biggest concern for the Panthers in terms of repeating as coastal champions and getting back to the ACC championship game. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Uh, you gave me a lot, you gave me a lot to work with. I appreciate oh, yeah. that. The, look, I don't, I, to me, having come from the West coast, the JT Daniels versus Keaton Slovis quarterback matchup is just too amusing of a storyline to not catch on to. 
if if and 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 to to kind of bring people into a loop of how things happened at USC during the entire Clay Helton era, it was it was a very impatient USC fan base. Um, they're impatient a lot anyway, but especially right. during the Clay Helton era. JT Daniels comes in as a five-star recruit, and they're thrilled. They got JT Daniels, and he plays well his first year and has some ups and downs. And second year, he's got a few more downs, and the crowd is done with him. They are done because they signed Keaton Slovis, another five-star recruit. The fan base wanted Slovis. So Daniels gets hurt. Slovis takes his job. Daniels transfers to Georgia. It's Slovis's job. They love Keaton Slovis. He has some great games. He's got some ups and downs after that. The minute he starts getting downs, they are done with Keaton Slovis. They want Jackson Dart, the five-star recruit. He is, he is the guy of the future. Now you have Daniels, Slovis, and Dart are all playing somewhere else. <laughs> it's like, wow. There is, there is the USC quarterback room of the last five years, and two of them are playing against each other on Thursday night in what yep. figures to be a great matchup. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. And now USC is just in an entirely different direction with Lincoln Riley, and now they have Caleb oh, sure. Williams, the best, sure. the, the best quarterback of the bunch that we sure. just mentioned. So it's sure. life goes at you fast. Now, when you bring up Narduzzi, here, I, I, look, I like Pat Narduzzi. As, yeah. media, as a media guy, I think he's fun to cover. Um, he doesn't back away from saying things, even when he probably should. Right. At, at ACC Media Days, he, he threw Whipple under the bus right. in a media interview. He, he said, our, he wouldn't even use his name. He said, our old offensive quarter liked to run the ball too much when we wanted to be more wide open. And he said, use the Wake Forest game as an example. Wake Forest last year was one of the worst teams in the country against the run statistically. And they kept, you know, they, they, but they kept throwing the ball. I'm sorry. I, I said, he wanted to run the ball too much. He wanted to throw the ball too right, much. Right. He didn't, he didn't go to the run. He was throwing the ball against Wake Forest when he should have been running the ball because Wake Forest had one of the worst run defenses in the country. So let me make sure I'm not, I, I didn't, I got it backwards at first, but Narduzzi didn't like the fact that he was throwing the ball too much. And he just completely threw him under the bus. And that was in a radio interview. Right. So then when he gets up on the stage to do his formal presentation, one of the first questions is, do you want to walk any of that back? Right. And he thinks about it for a second and literally said, nah, I'm good. I, you know, I'm good. Um, you know, he wanted more balance. I don't understand why you would want more balance when you had Addison and you had Pickett. What do you need balance for? You right, go, right. you go with the weapons. Go with what works. Absolutely, and your weapons were your quarterback and your receivers, and but he wants more balance, and it may be a little bit more balance out of necessity now because there isn't the you know there aren't the weapons. I mean, there are, you know not a lot of Jordan Addisons in the world anyway, right? In the college football world, so. Um, he doesn't quite have, Slovis isn't going to quite have the weapons around him. Um, so I think they, it requires a little bit more balance with regards to West Virginia and, you know, the Neil Brown era. I, I look, I mean, we've, our coverage of West Virginia says exactly what you just said. 
we're not sure where this is headed. Yeah. Um, this is, this really is to, to me, at least a make or break year for him. And boy, starting the season out on the road at Pitt yeah. in the backyard brawl is a tough way to go for the make or break year. Now to the upside, they've got plenty of wide receiver production coming back. They've got all five of their starting offensive linemen coming back. So there is the potential there. They've got a lot of talent on the defensive line. Right. But, you know, they've got to produce better. Um, again, you know, does Pitt have the weapons? What's the new offense going to look like? This balanced, you know, amazingly balanced offense. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot to be learned about both teams on Thursday night. And that's a tough setting to have to learn about yourself in a situation where there's a lot on the line, you know, Narduzzi said yesterday, there's a lot of hatred on their end. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On on their end, there's a lot of hatred, but you know, whatever. Um, You know, you can't tell me Narduzzi isn't psyched up about this. He's got Dave Wanstead coming in as the honorary captain for Pitt. And so, you know, he's, he's, he's got his, he's got his hype you know, all already also, he said, there's a lot of extra juice for the game and he's fine with his players having all this extra juice for the game. As long as they keep their composure. It's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. The backyard brawl used to happen all the time every year in the big East doesn't happen Mm -hmm. nearly as much anymore, basically ever. Right. There's a lot of animosity on both sides. I, I think Pitt's the better team. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think Pitt's the better team. I think Pitt should win. They are at home, and that's a stadium that Heinzfield gets a lot of crap because Pitt doesn't always pack it, mm-hmm. but they'll pack it for this game. Absolutely. Um, Thursday night, the opener, the backyard brawl. It'll be a real home field advantage. I like Pittsburgh in this game. I think they win close. I don't know what to make of West Virginia. I, I think I do think Pittsburgh is seven and a half points better, right? Like, I, I would – Stay, I'm going to stay away from betting it because it is a rivalry game. I think it truly is going to be a toss-up. Mm-hmm. But I think Pitt's in a situation here where they're going to be able to establish offensive identity in this football game um, because West Virginia is lacking a lot of returning starters on defense. Right. Right. I just think that's where Pittsburgh wins this football game. Um, even though there are you know, no more Jordan Addison, no more Pickett, I, no more Mark Whipple, I get all that. This is a good spot for Pittsburgh, I think, offensively against against West Virginia's defense. I think if Pittsburgh's able to hold up defensively, which they have, they have one of the best front sevens in the sport. I mean, they're deep. Their starters are really good. Um, this is a top unit in the ACC. Like this is a very very good front seven for Pittsburgh. I think that's enough to to get it done. I like Pittsburgh to win this game. I'm not sure they cover. I think it'll be ugly. I think it stays under 52. I'm not comfortable enough to lock either one of those bets up, but I do like Pittsburgh in this spot, Tony. How about you? I like Pittsburgh for many of the reasons you said, but separately I like them because Keaton Slovis is a better quarterback than JT Daniels. Yep. And if you're going to install a new offense, um, it's tough to do it with a guy who's on his third school in his sixth year who has to unlearn a lot of the things he's learned. I think Slovis is more ready to, to handle his new duties than JT Daniels would have been if, you know, if you kind of reverse the roles, yep. um, I think Slovis is, is more ready to do that. 
Um, I think, you know, Vegas is missing out on an over-under because I think there should also be an over-under on how many brawls there are during the game. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's going to be some. They, they legitimately do not like each other. There yeah. are some rivalry games that are not, they're respectful. And yeah, it's our rival. And these two genuinely do not like each other. And yeah. um, it's, I, I'm looking forward to the game. I think it's going to yeah. be great. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun on Thursday night. A great way to really, like, truly kick off the ACC yes. football season. This is the first real matchup we're going to see, so this is great. Right. All right, so you and I both like Pitt. Um, mm -hmm. You like Pitt close? Pitt close. Pitt close, yes. yeah, I'm with you. With you. Probably, okay. less than, probably less than a touchdown. Yeah, probably less than a touchdown. I'm with you. All right, so we both got Pitt. On to the second game Thursday night, and – I don't want to group this into the uh, we won't really learn much from this game because I think we will learn a little bit of something from this game. VMI is traveling on the road to number 22 Wake, who you cover, Tony. I do. 7.30 on Thursday night, ACC Network. The big story here, Tony, and I, I want to give you the mic on Sam Hartman. Mm -hmm. You know he's out for a while. Mitch Riff is stepping in. There's They still got Michael Kern, a quarterback as well, that they could they could toss in there if Griffith struggles. How long is Hartman going to be out? Do you have a do you have a good gauge on that as somebody who's kind of boots on the ground in the media? It's it's really I, I'm really interested to hear kind of how long this injury is actually going to be for Hartman. I know they're saying he could return sometime this season, but when is that? Do we know? Um, it's it's funny. I, if I could take a moment to kind of paint a picture, a visual uh, for everyone, it was stunning to all of us when we were covering practice one day and there Sam was in street clothes. Um, there is a lot I cannot say. Different teams, different coaches, different administrations have different rules for the media about what you can and cannot say about injured players or their status or whatever. Just, I, I, just to kind of open the curtain a little bit. Um, when I was at UCLA watching practice, we could say, Hey, Joe Smith is overworking with the trainers and not practicing with his running back group. That was fine. We couldn't say, no one would tell us what the injury was. And Chip Kelly's line was always, he's unavailable. That was it. That was all he would ever tell us. But we could say, he's over there, right? Um, when I covered SMU, Sonny Dykes would flat out tell you, you know, yeah, my receiver has got a broken pinky and he's got a cast on his right hand. And we're trying to see if he can catch with the cast on his hand. He'd give you whatever you wanted. At Wake Forest, the injured players work out in an area below where we're watching practice from. They call it the pit. Anyone who's in the pit may as well be in the witness protection program. We are not allowed to mention who they are, what they're doing, why they're there, or the fact that they even exist on the roster. I mean, they literally may as well be witness protection. Right. To that point, that is the case with Sam Hartman. A couple, couple of things we know is it was not an injury. It was not a football-related injury. It was a medical condition that came to light after a uh, workout on an off day when they weren't practicing and he was working out. Um, at the end of the workout, had some issues, sought help from the trainer, trainer examined him, called the team physicians, team physicians came over, they looked at him, um, they took him to the hospital, um, this was on a Tuesday, um, 
we were just left with that. And the due respect to the Wake Forest media team, who I think does a terrific job, they issued a statement which included, if you'd like to send your well wishes to Sam, you can do so at this email address. And it was like, wow, that sounds ominous. But then at the end of practice that day, Dave Clawson was the first one to mention that he had a medical procedure the night before. Now, how serious was it? Uh, serious enough that they did it immediately once he got brought to the hospital, but not so serious that he wasn't there at practice the next day talking right. with the team and right. things like that. So you could kind of start to narrow a little bit, right? I saw last week that Kirk Herbstreet predicted Wake Forest would have one of the biggest fall-offs of the season because of the absence of Sam Hartman and quote, we don't know how long he's going to be out. Yeah, we kind of do a little bit, not totally. Clawson made it very clear yesterday. This will be a medical decision to clear him, not a football decision. And it will only be when the doctors say it's okay. However, let me give you the exact quote from Clawson. Um, we have an article coming out Tuesday afternoon. Um, that kind of lays out the VMI game, but it also includes some talk about Hartman. Sam has not been cleared yet. We feel he is progressing well. Okay, so there's yet, and he's progressing well. Is yep. he going to play this season? Yes. I, I don't see any way, unless he suffers some massive medical setback. Setback, right. I don't see any way that he doesn't. Um, I'm not violating their rules by saying he's been at practice because Clawson said yesterday right. on Monday that he's been at practice. Right. He's been, he's been talking to the team. He's been talking to the quarterbacks. He's been talking to Mitch Griffiths. So he will play. I think it's probably reasonable to assume he will miss all three of the out of conference games that start the season. He he's, he's obviously out this week. Griffiths is the starter. He's going to probably miss the Vanderbilt game on the road. And I would assume he'll miss the Liberty game. After that, it's week four against Clemson at yeah. Wake Forest. Yeah. And if you're, if you're a Wake Forest fan, man, you are, you are what, however it is that, that you pray or hope or send good karma, you're going to do that because with Hartman, I think Wake stands a puncher's chance. Agreed. Without him, they stand no chance. No shot. And that's no disrespect to Mitch. Griffiths right. is a fine quarterback, but and he'll have time to, to work his way in. One of the things that Clawson said yesterday was, look, you know, it's not like he hasn't been in the offense. Right. You know, he's taken snaps. He's Yeah, but he's done mop-up duty. He, last year, he was 4 of 15 for 56 yards total for the right. season in his four right. appearances. So let's not pretend that he started some games and he came in a mop-up duty where it was his job to turn around and hand the ball off. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, and Griffiths admitted to us that the first practice after they were told that Sam would be out, he said I, that he had a terrible practice. He was like a deer in the headlights. Right. After that, he calmed down quite a bit. He's a confident young guy. Look, he's got a good arm. He's got the physical abilities. He certainly knows the offense. This is his third year right. at Wake playing the same offense because right. 
the offensive coaching staff has been together for several years at Wake. Right. Um, but the one thing that, and, and Wake is returning 80% of its offensive production from yeah. last year. They're loaded. It's, yeah, the offensive line is fifth and six-year players and, and a seventh-year player. Right. So they've got all the experience. They've got a couple of freaks at wide receiver in Donovan Green and A.T. Perry. They've got good running backs. What is lacking is Hartman brings that it factor. Yep. He walks into the huddle. It's his huddle. He will get on you if you are his roommate and best friend or a guy starting his first game he will get on your case the same if you're not doing your job it's hard for griffiths starting his first game to command that it's going to be up to others to assume a bit of a leadership role on the offense and any coach would prefer the leader be the quarterback that's going to be tough to ask for of griffiths well you got to step in and replace a top seven quarterback i'm being conservative like top seven quarterback in the sport. I mean, right. I, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do that. Sure. Um, if Hartman's back by Clemson, I, I think Wake's going to do exactly what I think a lot of people are expecting him to do, which is win nine. <laughs> like they're, right. Right. I mean, they're right. going to outscore right. almost everybody they play. Sure. Um, yeah. The, off, the offense is not the problem. And it just like right. it wasn't last year. Right. Um, you know, they brought in Brad Lambert, a new defensive coordinator. Yep. And, um, you know, a, a Glenn Spencer to coach the linebackers and so, a, new, a new old defensive coordinator. Right? Yes, another, exactly. Another yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Been awake before. Um, and I think what you can expect to see is a little bit more of an aggressive defense, right? A lot less sitting back and reacting to the offense and a lot right. more blitzing. The defensive line has got some, has got some significant talent, uh, with Rondell Bothroyd and, and, uh, Kobe Turner, the transfer from Richmond. Um, they've got some real talent. Um, so I think they'll be slightly, you know, more aggressive. Um, the first part of spring camp, you could see things kind of being slowed down so that they could get their, get their concepts on the new scheme by fall camp, as, as Clawson likes to say, they had moved on from playing checkers to playing chess. Right. So, you know, I think you got plenty of weapons on offense and, you know, you've got justice Ellison, you're, you're going to have two running backs, you know, carry the load. Um, and we just talked to Justin Ellison a little bit before you and I started recording this and yep. man, you could tell how pumped up, you know, the guy is for the game. It's VMI. And I agree with you. I actually have it on my list. I had a list of games we're not going to learn a lot yeah. from. And this was on there. Look, we talked to Clawson yesterday about the value of playing an FCS team like this. There's a little bit of a soft spot in Clawson's heart because he coached at the right. FCS level. So he kind of likes to do it, kind of give them their time in the sun, their props, you know, but you're also looking at a, uh, you know, you're looking at a team that is 23 and 52 over the yeah. last seven years. Um, and, you know, they had a couple of good years. They were six and two in 2020 and six and five last year. So there's a little bit of an uptick, but, and, and they've got a very experienced team. Uh, Seth Morgan, their, their quarterback is a three-year starter, but, you know, I mean, last year he was 2000 yard passer, 14 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Yeah. So yeah. we're not going to learn a lot. And, 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 you know, 
Wake Forest is also going to be playing without uh, their starting linebacker, Ryan Smenda, who is suspended um, based on a play in the Gator Bowl last year. (laughs) And if you ever want to see Dave Clawson's blood pressure go up, just talk to him about it because and 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 we reached out to numerous people to talk about it in our reporting of it um he got called for targeting he was thrown out of the game because he was a multi-targeting personal foul you know offender right he suspended for the first game of this year however the replay shows there was no targeting he barely made contact with the right. guy he was leaping over the quarterback and his arm grazed him. It was the Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC, went to the NCAA and said, you've got to undo this suspension. You got to fix this, right. You got to fix it. Um, we, we, we reached out to David Shaw, the Stanford coach, because he is the chair of the rules committee. And the rule actually changed, but only for, you know, starting this year. Right. That if the call is reversible, if upon review after the game, it wasn't targeting, you don't have to serve the suspension. They won't they won't grandfather Smenda in. And right. so, you know, that gives, you know, that, that, that just irritates Clawson to no end. And frankly, it's kind of hard to blame him. You know, so his thing was he just wants to see his team be disciplined, wants to see him, you know, come out clean, healthy not beating themselves, no mistakes. And that's pretty much what you can ask for. I, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking for in this game. That's what I'm looking for in Miami and Bethune Cookman later. That's right. what I, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wake, Wake will win this game big. I, yes. 40, I'm saying like 45, 17, something like that. I think the offense gets off to a really good start. I think Griffiths looks good. I think mm-hmm. the defense holds up well. VMI's got turnover issues. I, yep. I yeah. think Wake Forest defense – like they're they were a bad ACC defense last year, but a bad ACC right, defense right. beats a lot of FCS offenses. I like Wake Forest by a ton. Yeah, I do too. And I think also when you look at it, um, you know, Griffiths was going to wind up playing in this game anyway, probably in right, wrap exactly. You know, exactly. Uh, probably probably much of the second half. You know, after Hartman did his did his thing, but um, you know, you'll see Michael Curran in there at some point also in the second Absolutely. half, just because it'll be enough of a blowout that you can get everybody some reps, you know, to be prepared. Absolutely. All right. So we like wake big there um, yep. and a lot of great insight there on wake Forest. Appreciate that. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, let's move to Friday. And okay. you know, I have this game circled, Tony, Virginia tech, All right? The Brent Pry era kicks off seven and a half point favorite over under 49 and a half heading on the road to Old Dominion. The last time they traveled on the road to Old Dominion back in 2018, it did not go very well. Right. This game is 7 p.m. Friday night. Tony, ODU returns a ton of production on offense. They have a decent defense returning. They were a bowl team last year. None of that matters. <laughs> Virginia Tech, Tony. Virginia Tech, we're locking it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. We're locking it up. The Hokies are going to win the game. They're going to cover. We're locking this up. The Hokies are in a spot here in year one with Brent Pry and Grant Wells at quarterback. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of questions on offense. And I, and look, I think Virginia Tech getting to a bowl game in year one under Pry would be an accomplishment. I think that would be a very good first year considering the roster he has to work with. Mm-hmm. 
this is a revenge game, a revenge spot. A lot of fans are hyping this game up uh, more than I think they ordinarily would because Old Dominion did what they did to Virginia Tech at home in the past. Virginia Tech's mm-hmm. heading back there for the first time since that 2018 debacle. I think they play better. I think Fry's defense will be ready to play against a very good returning Old Dominion offense. I think Old Dominion keeps this game closer than I think a lot of Virginia Tech fans would want early, but I think Tech ultimately wins this game by 10 to 12 points. I don't think it's I don't think it's a blowout. I think Virginia Tech wins. I think they cover. I'm comfortable saying that. I think it'll be a good first game for Brent Pry, Tony. Tell me why I'm wrong. Um, I don't think you are. I can't I can't find a reason why you are. Yes. My, my my question is who agreed to play this game at Old Dominion? Stop it. Stop doing that um, because there's very little upside for you if you're Virginia Tech to go to Old Dominion and play this. Look, the revenge for 2018, that's a fan thing to get caught up in. Yep. These guys, these players weren't part of that. Weren't there. Um, yep. They weren't there. It's a new era. I will tell you, having met Pry and having talked to him and having been a part of the Q&A at ACC Media Days, I will, I will say this. If you are a Virginia Tech fan and you are not sold on Brent Pry, then I don't get it because the, I love the hire. I like the guy's energy. I like his, his love for what he's doing at Virginia Tech. Hey, I love the fact that the guy showed up in a blazer that was the school color. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, Custom come made. on. How 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 much more commit? Most most coaches just do it with the tie. He's got the whole jacket. He's got oh, you yeah. know, and and you listen to him. Look, I know there's a lot of turnover on on the on the roster. I know the offense has got a lot of unknowns, but here's the thing: if you're Brent Pry and you're coming in, you would rather have that roster than a bunch of four and five star recruits who are left over from the previous coaching staff who you're kind of having to reteach you're having to resell um they got recruited by someone else they got all the whining and dining these guys are malleable for lack of a better phrase right and probably can turn them into whatever he wants them to be and you can sense especially with the players that were there that he brought with them Man, they they are in. I get it. All the players sound like that on stage. Yeah. Yep. But when you're kind of listening, you're you're eavesdropping in the corner when they're talking to other people in the corner of the room, and you're just kind of standing there with your notepad, and like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm doing something else, but I'm listening to what's going on. These guys have bought in. They 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 are in, and you would rather have that lineup, that roster of fully committed players at whatever level they can be because you can coach them up players can be coached up players attitudes are more difficult to change so i i I like virginia tech the only thing i disagree with you on is i don't think it's as close as you do i think i think virginia tech wins by two touchdowns or more okay all right well hey i music to my ears i'm good enough All right, we're both on Virginia Tech. I locked up uh, Tech my seven and a half. It's one of my picks. I think I might have another lock later. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Let's take a quick break to remind you about Section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place for buying all sorts of great, officially licensed Georgia Tech apparel. 
They have got all sorts of great T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. Uh, they've got stickers now. They've got something for the whole family, men, women, children, everything. Go check them out. Once again, it's section103.com. You're looking for shirts that are in the official tech gold. You're looking for shirts with the ATL logo on them. You're looking for other officially licensed things. Those things are hard to find in a lot of places for some reason. I don't know why. You can find them all on section103.com. Again, go, go there, check them out. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. And, and again, they have some stickers that have just come out. Those, those are really cool. Everything is really high quality that I've gotten from them. Uh, I've gotten some of the performance shirts. I've got one of the hoodies. Um, everything I've got there is, is great, and it really goes great on a Saturday afternoon supporting the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets at Bobby Dodd Stadium or anywhere else. You're in the Thriller Dome. You're at uh, McCamish Stadium. You're at uh, the Rusty Sea. You are going to a volleyball game. You need something to support Georgia Tech. Go to section103.com. They have great products. They are all officially licensed. Got those official word marks, the official colors, everything. Everything you could ask for, you can go find it all there. Once again, use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order when you do go. Appreciate Steven and the gang for their partnership with Basketball Conference. We look forward to another great football season partnering with them. And now let's get back to it. Let's move on. This is a game. This is kind of a throwaway game, um, but we're going to talk about it real quick. Temple heading on the road to Duke. Year one, Mike Elko. Duke, seven-point favorite over under 51 and a half, 7.30 p.m. Friday on ACC Network. Tony, I really like the Mike Elko hire. I mm-hmm. like it a lot. I do too. Um, Duke's going to be very, very bad. But yes. the one thing I can say about Duke is they are not as bad as Temple. Um <laughs> Temple is a disaster. Um, not that Duke's not, but they're I at least like the Elko higher. This is going to be one of Duke's like three wins this year if they get to three. Um, mm-hmm. They have this game. They have North Carolina A&T. They go on the road to Kansas, which is not going to be as easy as it's been in the past. Nope. And the only other game I look at on the ACC schedule that I say, yeah, Duke can absolutely win that game is going on the road to Georgia Tech. Georgia Outside Tech, of that, yeah. I, I don't feel very good about Duke here. Um, I, I, they win this weekend. I, I think they, they win close, but I'm not going to know whether that's because Duke's really bad or Temple's outperforming expectations. I mean, I, I have no idea what to, what to make of this. I just think Duke wins close. I think they're a better team. Yeah. I don't really know how to assess this game. Um, other than, you know, both teams are bad. Um, you know, Jordan, Temple's got a, a starting, their starting quarterback back for his second year, but He's you know pretty mediocre, frankly. He had six touchdowns and four interceptions in seven games last year. Uh, so there's not a lot of offensive firepower coming there. Uh, and Duke, I, I agree. I like the Mike Elko higher, but this is not a quick fix. The, the cupboard was beyond bare. It was, you know, getting a wood rot and falling down, frankly. Bad. Yeah, um, bad. And so this is going to take a couple of years before Duke can represent even to be a 500 ball club uh, throughout the course of a season. So I, yeah, I think Duke wins. I think it's probably a poorly played game. I think there's, you know, a lot of coaches worry about first game jitters and mistakes that you got to clean up later on. I think this game with its mistakes is going to be representative of both of these teams Agree. for, for a good three, four five weeks into the season. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I feel. That's why I'm like, okay, is it really going to be because if it's a close game, is it because Duke is as bad as we think or is because Temple's playing better than we think? I mean, this is only true. I don't think we'll know. 
and I don't think yeah. they'll know. And I think only true college football sickos are going to be watching this game. So I will be That's tuning me. in at least. For, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I'll at least be tuning in for some of it. Um, right. Just because I'm interested, I, I'm so intrigued by the Elko hire. So I, okay. I will be at least at least tuning in for a bit. I like Duke close. I think this game goes under 51 and a half. I don't oh, think yeah. either team scores here. I considered locking it up. But I just don't know enough about either one of these teams. The year one situation, I just don't feel good locking up the under. I, I lean under, though, because I just don't think there's going to be a ton of points. I think it's going to be ugly. I, I don't – there's no watchability with this game unless you're a sicko. I lean way under, yeah. way under. I, they could have set the line at 40, and I'd be going under. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, and, of course, I'll, I'll – I won't watch it live. I'll have it on my DVR to watch, you know, later on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I watch 18, 19, sometimes 20 games a week. You know, right. my, my, my wife knows the DVR space isn't really available during the fall. Yes. For, fortunately, fortunately, she's as much a college football junkie as I am. So, right. you know, it works out well. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We both like Duke and yeah. in a gross game. Let's head to, let's head to Saturday, okay? All right. This one's a little bit less. This one's a little bit less gross. Number thirteen, NC State. This is going to be uh, at least on paper. I think Dave Doran's best team. Number mm-hmm. thirteen, NC State, going on the road. Interesting spot on the road to East Carolina. This game is at noon on ESPN. I love NC State this year. I think they have a really really talented team. In my opinion, NC State. It's a one game season. It's your game against Clemson. Because I think at the end of the day, Clemson is the only team that I think talent-wise can match up with NC State. I think Wake Forest can do it on the offensive side. I don't think they can do it on the defensive side. I think toe-to-toe, the only team that can, on, on NC State's schedule that can match up with them where I'm like, you know what? NC State might have some trouble winning that game. The only one I can look at and point to definitively and say they're going to have some struggles is Clemson. And I'm not even sure they could lose that game. So this is an NC State team that I think is very good. I, I, I still think Clemson's winning the Atlantic. I have Clemson winning mm. the ACC. But I think NC State, could if Clemson doesn't do that, I think NC State's the team to look at. Everything they're returning on defense, um, what they're returning on offense with Devin Leary, a very, very good quarterback. Going up against an East Carolina team that offensively has some pieces coming back. Uh, defensively, they, they also have some pieces coming back. But the way I look at this is East Carolina's offense, they're replacing a few of their top pass catchers from a year ago. Mm-hmm. They're going up against a very, very talented NC State defense, a very good secondary and even better linebacker group. NC State's an 11-and-a-half-point favorite. It's a tricky spot going on the road at noon against East Carolina. Um, as a Virginia Tech fan, I know how East Carolina games can be. They're They're – they get weirder than you would like them to, especially right. at noon. Right. Um, but despite all that, I think NC State wins this game by a couple scores. Um, I think they're too talented on both sides of the football, Tony. I took a lot of flack from Wake Forest fans when I called Devin Leary the best quarterback in the ACC um, because I think he is. I think his production – um is is there he needs to he needs to show it in big games but nc state is returning 80 percent of their offensive production from last year yeah that's just staggering but i think the game is on the other side when 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 you flip sides there because east carolina's quarterback holton aylers is a good quarterback Yes. I mean, 3,000 yard passer last year. He's not going to be phased with NC State coming into town. But who was it? Mike Tyson who used to say, everyone's got a plan until they get hit. Until they get because hit he's, a, he, 
because he's about to face a linebacking group that is one of the top three in the entire country. Right. Um, he's about to face a front seven, like nothing he has seen to this point. And he's doing it behind an offensive line that is probably the weakest spot of the East Carolina offense. Right. Um, they are, they, they didn't perform well last year. Um, they've got some holes to fill. So I think that, I think that North Carolina state probably, I, I think it's probably close early with North yep. Carolina state pulling away in the last quarter and a half. Dave Doran said he, he thinks it'll be close the entire way, probably a one possession game, but that's coach talk. That is high um, you know, I think, I think one of the things they need to, they need to look at if you're North Carolina state is maturity. Yep. And I mean, mental and emotional maturity um, on the road. And, you know, I think that they need to keep their wits about themselves. North Carolina state. The only thing that concerns me about North Carolina state is the chip on the shoulder because the chip on the shoulder relates to last season and how right. they've got this whole thing. They didn't get to finish UCLA hosed them canceling on Tuesday right. and all of this and all of that, which, you know, made me Dave Doran's favorite reporter uh, covering the holiday bowl when I called his reaction to it disingenuous because our site last word on college football had been reporting since four days earlier that UCLA was having a COVID outbreak. And so to say you didn't know right. means you weren't paying attention or your staff wasn't paying attention. Was right. it wrong to cancel the game the day of? Yes, absolutely. Right. Because right. UCLA should have been more proactive in, in canceling and knowing what they were dealing with. But there's still, even at ACC Media Days four weeks ago, you still felt this chip about, we didn't get to finish. We have something to prove. You got to put that behind you. Right. You are a top 15 team for the first time in a long time. Act like it. Right. Know who you are in the here and now and go prove it. If you're going to have a chip, make it be about something else, not not we got, you know, we got a lot to prove based on what happened last year. That's last year. If NC State can do that and get their minds in the right place, I think this is a really good team. Yep, I'm with you. I like NC State here. NC State in this spot. I think they win the game. I get it's tricky. I like NC State. Sounds like you like NC State as well. I do. I do. Very good. Let's head to noon Saturday, ACC Network. Rutgers, uh, this is one of those, another weird game. Rutgers at BC. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Right. I think BC's got a talented team. I, I, I think they're being slept on a little bit because Phil Dracovic was hurt last year and they struggled. They lose a lot, but Dracovic's back. I think they'll be okay. Um, this is a Rutgers team that's feisty, but I look at that what they're returning on offense <laughs> – not a ton, right? I mean, Rutgers is replacing a lot of talent on offense. They're replacing pretty much their entire front seven. I think Phil Dracovic, his ability to create with his arm and on the run, I, I think BC wins this game close, but I'm not sure who, again, just like the, I'll keep this brief because just like the Temple Duke game, I don't know who this is going to be more of a reflection on. There's, a, there's, a, there's an old phrase, damning with faint praise which I think is what you just did <laughs> with, with, the, with, with BC. It's like, yeah, I mean, Jerkovic is, is fine. Look, everybody in the ACC Atlantic has their starting quarterback back this year. So it is the most 
quarterback deep talent deep conference in the entire country and Jerkovic fits in there somewhere fine you know middle of the pack to lower part of the pack um you know you called Rutgers feisty and that's the damning with faint praise because if that's what you come up with as you know saluting you know Rutgers eh, you know whatever they finished it's five more, and eight it's last more year just Greg Schiano. you take on the identity of your head coach yeah yeah, and I'm not I'm not a big Shiano guy. I, I really don't. You know, I know he gets a lot of praise for what he did at Rutgers the first time and what he'll do now. Like, like two yeah. decades ago almost now. Yeah, right. not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I mean, yeah. yeah, they took a step in the right direction last year being five and eight overall. They got to play in a bowl game even with their terrible record right. uh, when, you know, when AM backed out. So I guess it was in the right direction. But, you know, they were 120th in the country in, in total offense and in scoring offense. There's nothing to say Rutgers is any better this year. Um, you know, they've got a couple of options. Uh, Noah Vidral is probably the most likely starter. Kid threw for 1,800 yards with seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. Um, you know, I guess that's feisty. I, you know, I, 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 yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, they've got some, they've got some help at wide receiver. They had Taj Harris transfer in from Syracuse, uh, Sean Ryan from West Virginia. So they got some help, but overall the talent just isn't there. Um, there's not good recruiting classes coming in for Shiano. There's no help coming in the immediate future. Um, for BC, like you said, Jerkovic got hurt last year, missed a, you know, half of the season. Um, I don't know how good Boston College is. I think yeah. at best, I think at best they're a six and sixteen. Yep, and that's a good year for them right now. Right. I don't see anything more than that. So it's one of those games that you know will be on the DVR for when I'm awake at two a.m. and need to get in some football viewing. Yeah, uh, a lean with BC. It's going to be ugly. Um, yeah, it would not shock me if BC lost this game. By the way, like that would not. That's not out of the realm of possibility. It surprised me because I think Rutgers really isn't that good. And again, I'm not on any Shiano bandwagon. Course, so, right, right. you know, I, I think BC wins it. They win it by a touchdown, yep. maybe, maybe eight points at the most. Yeah. It's a low scoring game with both offenses having really bad production. Yep. Now nah, I'm with you. I actually, um, over under 48 if that was in the 50s i'd be all over the under but 48 right. i mean it could be it's gonna be pretty low scoring yeah yeah all right this is this is one of the more intriguing games of the weekend unc going on the road to app state noon on saturday on espnu at the time of this recording north carolina is a one and a half point favorite the total is 56 the line has the re reason why i say at the time of this recording this total has gone all, all over the place it's gone yep, from yep. a pick em to unc by half a point now to unc one and a half here as we record on tuesday morning I think, and I understand North Carolina's defense. I was on North Carolina's defense. We just talked about UNC. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to spend my, my minute here talking about App State. The reason why I like North Carolina to be okay in this spot is because App State is, they have to replace five of their top six tacklers. Mm -hmm. And this is a North Carolina offense that looked pretty good with a freshman quarterback. Yeah, it's an FCS school they played against, I understand. But this, this is an offense that looked pretty good last Saturday. I think that there is enough in the tank on the North Carolina side offensively to get by App State in a shootout. 
I think Carolina wins. I think they give up a lot of points on defense. I think the defense will look maybe a little bit better than it did this past Saturday. I think Carolina wins in a high-scoring affair. I think it'll be fun. Um, I, I do think North Carolina covers one and a half. I think they, they win by about a touchdown. Um, maybe it's a sucker bet. Maybe App State's the, the right side of it. I don't know. I'm on Carolina here. I think they'll be okay. I got to tell you, this is one of my top three or four games of the entire weekend to watch. Yes, I, I know we got Oregon playing Georgia, and I know we got Ohio State up there, and I know we got Clemson on the – I know we got all that. This, man, bold move by UNC to agree yeah. to go play in Boone, yep. right? Um, because this is not going to be easy. I will tell you, even though I'm a ways living in Charlotte, I'm a ways away from Boom. But I will tell you, just in the local fervor, just even in the regional fervor, man, the App State fans, yeah, Saturday cannot get here soon enough. Yeah, that place, that place is going to be over the top yeah. to face UNC, and I think that that matters a little bit because again, we're not talking about Sam Howell bringing the team in. We're talking gotcha. about we're talking about Drake May. Yep. And there is no way to avoid looking at the, the noise and the excitement and the fan anticipation and maybe getting a little over your skis early on. It'll be about, can Phil Longo settle him down? Can Matt yep. Brown settle him down after his first couple of mistakes yep. and, and get his head back in the game? You know, I look at, I look at App State's offense and there's a part of me that says it's good enough. They've got Chase Bryce coming in, yeah, you know, yep. as, as, as the quarterback, um, sixth year quarterback. So there's not going to be a moment that's, you know, too bright for him. I mean, he played at Clemson, uh, led the Sun Belt, you know, last year with 3,300 passing yards. So, you know, he's got the skill. He, he's got enough talent around him, although they did lose you know, they're four top receivers, but he's got a good yeah. running game behind him. Um, I like Cameron Peoples, he's good running back. Um, will do well in the Sun Belt this year. I worry about the App State defense, but we also don't know what UNC is going to look like because yeah. as of yesterday, Josh Downs is day to day. Yeah, he's banged up. Yep. He's banged up. Uh, defensive back Tony Grimes is banged up. So, you know, and without down, because downs, if you're a new quarterback or a young quarterback and you've got a guy with the ability of Josh Downs, who is probably one of the top three or four receivers in the entire country. And I say that being a Bolitnikoff voter. Right, right. He's like a security blanket for you, right? Yeah. He's that guy who is going to be Mr. Reliable for you. And he's day to day. And yeah. so we don't know what UNC's offense is going to look like going in. I think it's a really close game. I pick UNC, yeah. but there's a part of me that says if there's an upset Saturday, it's this one. This is the one. Absolutely. This is the one. This is the Absolutely. one. Because yep. there are other games that are off our docket because they're not ACC games. Course, right. But but if Utah goes down and beats Florida, that's not an upset. To right. Me. They're favorite. I'm, right. I'm, yeah. I'm picking Utah to win yeah. the game, right? There are other yeah. games like that that they're like teams that – you know, maybe people don't watch every week. I've watched Utah for the last five yeah. years. They're my you know, pick kind of, in the Pac-12. I know USC is my new object, but I think yeah. Utah's the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, I still had a Pac-12 vote, and they were my vote also. You know, Kyle yeah. Winningham, to me, is probably one of the top four coaches in the country. Yeah, he's um, outstanding. Yep. But anyway, if there is an upset, 
I, I then it's this one. Yeah. I, I, I think this is just a snake pit for UNC to go into. Not a great spot. <laughs> Not a no. great spot. No. I mean, they opened with Tech last year, and yep. Um, yep. if you're going to return from COVID, there are like three or four stadiums in the country I wouldn't want to go to, and Lane Stadium's one of them. Right, so right. that was a really bad spot for North Carolina. This is equally right, right. as bad coming off of yep, an FCS yep. game where your defense didn't look great. And now you got to yep. go to Boone. And I have never been to a game at App State. Neither have I. I've watched plenty of App State games to know that so that stadium I. is going to be rocking. Yeah. Um, so it's a tough spot for Drake May. I think North Carolina inches by close. I got Carolina close. You got Carolina close. Yep. Um, one of the more exciting games of the weekend. Definitely. Tony, in the interest of time, I'm going to group these two, these next two games together. Sure. Because, again, like, talk about games that we're not going to really learn much about either one. Richmond at UVA, Saturday at 1230. Um, mm-hmm. Check your local listings for that one, <laughs> or ESPN3. Bethune-Cookman <laughs> at number 16, Miami, 330 Eastern Saturday, ACC Network. I mean, the reason why I'm grouping these two, two together is because UVA and Miami have new coaching staffs. Obviously, Cristobal at Miami, Tony Elliott coming over from Clemson to coach UVA. It's, it's how these teams look how these teams look with new head coaches. That's my, that's my biggest thing. Both, you know, Brian Armstrong returns at quarterback for UVA, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the country, mm-hmm. considering what he did last year um, for Miami, for a team that just simply wasn't very good. He was very good um, mm-hmm. as a freshman. This is a Miami team. I think everybody's got their eye on, but UVA too, to see how this offense looks around Brian Armstrong two tune-up games for these two teams. Agree. And and in the interest of that, I'll, I will keep it quick on both of them. It's the, the UVA game is a curious game, not because Richmond can win because they can't. Um, right. But but because right. I want to see how Brennan Armstrong looks in a new offense. I yep. mean, again, we talk about the quarterbacks in the ACC and this kid's right near the top 4,400 yards last year, 31 touchdowns against 10 interceptions. Um, he's got his top, uh, he's got his receiving duo of right. uh, Wicks and Thompson coming back. They accounted for 2,100 of his passing yards last year. So the offense is there. They averaged 516 yards per game last year in, in total offense. Um, the defense needs to be better. They, they, there were too many times when the opponent was still in the game because of a defense. Right. So I want, I want to see how that looks. The Miami game, curious, you know, Mario Cristobal is a hard, hard-edged guy. You will not see him smile at press conferences. You will not see him tell a joke or have a little sarcastic remark because he just has his stone face on all the time. And that is legitimately who he is. Um, you know, I, I like Van Dyke also. As, yep. as a quarterback, I think he's highly underrated. I think he's very good. I think what we'll be looking for is to see how much the Miami players who bought into this culture change right. uh, under Cristobal. You know, yeah, every time they make, every time there's a chain coaching change made in Miami, it's a culture change. Right. This really is your last ability to make a legitimate culture change because he's one of you because right. he played there because. This was the only job he would have left Oregon for was to right. go back home. Right. Um, you know, he got rid of the, he got rid of the turnover chain. He, you know, things like that. He doesn't want it, you know? Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how disciplined they play. We'll see how they finish the game. We'll see if they are sharp at the end in a blowout as they were at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, if, this doesn't work with Cristobal. I don't know where Miami goes after that. I don't know what they right. do. I, I legitimately have no idea what they do after that. You know, short Agreed. of hiring a top coach. In, and I think Cristobal's a top 10 coach in the sport. 
short mm-hmm. of like hiring like Dabo or Saban or somebody like right. Miami's got no Miami's got no options like, you're running out of, you're running out of answers you're running out of answers yeah so uh, this this has to work for Miami if it doesn't I think they're they're in a lot of trouble just from program trajectory standpoint Louisville oh <laughs> baby Tony I, I I can barely get the line out before locking this game up Louisville minus four and a half over unders at 56 and a half on the road Syracuse 8 p.m Saturday ACC Network Tony take it away this is my lock. Lock it up. Lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. This is it. Four and a half against Syracuse. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Come on. I'm not. Look, I knew Dino Babers back when he was a receivers coach at UCLA. So no disrespect to Dino. Right. I'm not sure how he still has a coaching job. There's a rough patch in my life right now. All right. Syracuse is 0-3. I got those medical problems. Right. Now I'm head coaching you. job. I, I really... I mean, how bad does Syracuse have to be every year? Yep. Um, you know, look, they've got Syracuse has Sean Tucker. They've got one of the best running backs in the country, but there's not a lot working around him. I mean, you know, they got Garrett Schrader, you know, at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Can't really know. throw better yeah. runner. Yeah. Yeah. The offensive line really isn't very good. Um, you know, the only the only thing you're looking if you're a Syracuse fan is the Louisville defensive line has some holes in it yeah Um, so there's some opportunity there's some opportunity with the run game you're not going to get a lot of opportunity with the passing game because it's just not with that secondary you're really not you're really not Louisville on the other hand I like Malik Cunningham watching this guy play quarterback um you know last year had five touchdowns against Syracuse four passing and one on the ground um, the Louisville offensive line returns four of its five starters. I, it, wow. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I never liked the idea of playing a conference game in your season opener Yeah. because season openers are supposed to be tone setters. And if you lose a conference game in week one, that's a bad tone going forward. Right. You're spending the rest of the season trying to scramble to catch yep. up. Um, but I, I don't, I don't see, I don't know how this came out at four and a half. This is, uh, yeah, the, 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 this is Louisville by double digits, you I'm, know, easily. I'm there. We're locking it up. Second lock of this podcast, we're locking it up. Louisville. The only concern is how do they look up front against the Syracuse <laughs> rushing attack? If they hold up there, Syracuse will not be able to compete in this football game because I don't think they can throw against the Louisville secondary. That's what it boils down to. And I think Louisville is going to score plenty of points. This is a pretty decent Syracuse defense that is returning for Dino Babers. Mm-hmm. The issue though, is that Louisville's offense, I, I, they're replacing some production at receiver. I get that. They still have Malik Cunningham. Mm-hmm. They still have to, they recruit talent at skill positions. I'm, I am not too concerned about Louisville scoring against Syracuse. If they hold up in the running game on the defensive side, they win this game going away. I'm with you. Well, and here's the thing. Look, Sean Tucker is going to get his yards. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any question. So, But I don't think it will matter enough because there right. won't be enough balance to the offense. Sean right. Tucker can run for 150 yards. It's not going to be enough to keep Syracuse in the game. Agree, because if Louisville just turns this into a track meet, Syracuse can't keep up with just running ball exactly. in the game. So exactly. it's going to be either Syracuse controls the tempo, it's ball possession, and you can keep it close that way, or – if Louisville gets this thing into a track meet, I, I don't think Louisville's defense is bad enough that Syracuse can keep up. That's my Agreed. opinion on it. I like Louisville 
I double digits. I'm with you. I don't care that it's at the dome. I don't care that it's at night. I, I don't, I don't care. I think Louisville's yeah, yeah. better. I think they win by double digits. Agreed. Sunday night, Superdome, neutral site game, Florida State against LSU and Brian Kelly. LSU, a three-point favorite, over-unders at 51 and a half. Brian Kelly is not named a starting quarterback yet. He says he's named it internally, won't name it externally. <laughs> this is first year at LSU. I like what I saw out of Florida State. Brian Kelly, I think, is a better coach than Mike Norvell, but I don't know about game one against a Florida State team that is absolutely dying to show how how good they are and that they're making progress. And I think if you're going to show it, I think this is a game to do it. I actually like Florida State in an upset here. I think they pull it off. I, I like Florida State to to beat LSU and pull this off and spoil Brian Kelly's debut. I'm surprised we got a I don't know if you've read my notes because I think Florida State beats them. Yeah. I, I look, Norvell needs a signature win. He does. He needs it so bad. This is the desperately, one. Desperately. Desperately. This is it. This is your chance. Um, you know, Jordan Travis, we talked about it, had a decent game against, you know, a bad Duquesne team. Um, you're clearly not going to show too much of the offense against Duquesne when you don't need to. And so you can keep it, you know, under wraps for the LSU game. Um, I thought it was weird when I saw this is the first time these two schools have played in 30 years, Crazy. which was, yeah, which was surprising to me. It seems like, and I, and I realized it seemed like they were interwoven so much because Jumbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher kept getting offered the LSU job. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so every time Jimbo would, would, would get that offer, it's like, oh, that's why it seems like the two are, are tied together forever. Um, you know, look, LSU had a bumpy ride last year. They were supposed to be all that. And, you know, UCLA took them down, you know, at, at the Rose Bowl and had confetti going everywhere because it was right. such a huge win <laughs> right. for, for Chip Kelly. Um, and so, you know, at the year's end, they were pretty much in the basement of the SEC West. Right. And I, I'm not sure that Brian Kelly was the right hire. I think he's right. a good coach. I'm not sure. And I, yeah, the accent thing was stupid, and he's done a lot of ridiculous things since he's been there. Some of their hype videos with him are ridiculous, but I mean it in a legitimate way. I'm not sure he's the right cultural fit there. Right, right. It's a different world at Notre Dame than it is at LSU, and I mean just from the daily existence on campus to what it's like there to South Bend versus Baton Rouge yep. to the fan expectations. I, 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 I'm just not sure he tells you know he, he convinces miles brennan in the spring to stay and then brennan finds out in the fall he's not going to be the starting quarterback yep. now he's out of football he's, yeah he's out of football because the window for the transfer portal had already come and gone he's like uh, you know i don't like when you do that to players so he's looking at either Jaden daniels or garrett nussmeyer i uh, I, I I saw Jaden Daniels all those years at ASU. I'm not sure how he fits into a Brian Kelly offense. I don't get it either. I don't see how he fits into a Brian Kelly offense. The, the what Brian Kelly does with his offense and Jaden Daniels' skill set, and he does have a significant skill set. They don't they don't match. Yep. Um, I think you're going to wind up seeing both of them play. Yep. Um, and, you know, you, look, you've got Keishon Butte, who is one of, again, one of the top receivers in the country. Kid's terrific. But, you know, I think that there is such a, I think there's such a thing for Mike Norvell to need this win 
and his players know it and his players can sense it and the program can sense it that I actually think Florida State beats them. I think if it were actually in Baton Rouge, and I get it, there's not a big difference, you know, there's not a distance between New Orleans and right. Baton Rouge. It's not significant, but it's 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 not being at Tiger Stadium. It's not being in Death Valley. Stop so playing the, games. Stop playing games at neutral sites. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but but it's it doesn't it doesn't have that you know death pit feel at the Superdome that it would in Baton Rouge, right. and I think that helps Florida State. I think it does too. Yeah, I like Florida State in an upset here, and I I just don't LSU not really knowing who their quarterback is uh, that that's concerning. I just think Florida State with their talent on offense, and it's a lot to it's a lot. It's a big spot for Brian Kelly in his first game at LSU. And I just think Norvell being his third year in the job, he needs a signature win. I think Florida state looked good last week. I just, I like this spot for Florida state a lot. I have them winning an upset. sounds like you do as well. Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, yeah. LSU would have been better off starting uh, against Bethune Cookman or old Dominion or, yeah. or, or whomever yeah. else get yeah, that game in. under their belt. Yeah. Yeah. Go in, work up a nice little sweat and then get your starters out of the game. Right. Let's head to Monday night, the last ACC yep. game of the weekend before we, of course, have one game, one more game to preview. Right. Uh, number four, Clemson, 22-point uh, favorite, over under 48-and-a-half on the road at Georgia Tech. Um, this is another game that's that's being played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, neutral site, um, 8 p.m. Monday night. I really, really like Clemson here in a blowout. I don't think we learned too much about anything here. I is DJU going to work out? That's going to be the question. And can can Dabo successfully replace two coordinators? That's that's the the question for the ceiling of Clemson in 2022 and beyond. I think the coordinator question is a bigger question. Uh, you know, can losing two coordinators in the same year is is challenging. It's weird to say that a 10 and three team needs a turnaround, but that's kind of where you are with Clemson. They had a good year, but because they didn't win the division or the conference or make it to the playoffs, it was, you know, a dissatisfying year. Um, you know, look, DJ Uyunglele, I'm like, I, I saw the kid play in high school at St. John Bosco in California because I was, you know, still out in California then. One of the greatest state championship games you could ever imagine was St. John Bosco against modern day. Yep. Bryce Young against DJ Uyunglele. Yep. I mean, man, talk about a shootout. It was it was Our fabulous. Power. But last year he was a 55% passer, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions. It was interesting at ACC Media Days. I asked Dabo specifically, I said, you know, look, on the, the fan base has turned on DJ. He's taken a lot of heat. You look at the message boards and the Clemson fan boards, and he's taken a lot of heat. Is your having him here with you? your your sign of confidence in him and Tad Dabo got very stern very quickly he said I don't need fans on some message board to tell me about DJ I know who the kid is I know what he's all about he's my quarterback um, and he made an interesting point he said Deshaun Watson made the same mistakes DJ did so did Trevor yep. Lawrence when they were young starting out the difference was the team had more talent around those guys and they right. were able to overcome it it didn't wasn't on a big spotlight like it happened with dj last year i talked to dj also and i said you know do you hear the criticism and he said i do and it bothers me and it's part of my growing that i need to get over it right. and not listen to it not let it bother me the clemson fan base has turned on him and it doesn't help that by all counts and we've talked to a couple of people on the staff at clemson 
Kate Klubnik has had a really good fall camp. Yeah, he's going to be. And, really good. Yeah. And so, and so you got to wonder if the leash on DJ is going to be pretty short. Yeah. Um, they're going to, they're going to blow Georgia tech out. Yeah. And so you're going to see both of them. And then you got to wonder, you know, is that, is that a preview of things to come right. for, for Klubnik? Is this a is this a Lawrence is this a Lawrence Kelly Bryant situation? Or exactly. Is this where it's Club Nick show the second half of the year for a really really good for a really really good Clemson team. That's yeah. the question. Yeah, I mean the Clemson and the Clemson defense is going to be fantastic. I mean, they're, oh, well, they, yeah, yeah, they've lost Xavier Thomas for what like seven four to seven weeks going yeah. back to when he injured his foot in camp. So he'll miss the first three four games. It won't matter. Their defense is really that good, um, and they'll blow Georgia Tech out. With you, I think Clemson wins. I think they cover. Um, I think they win this game by four or five scores. Georgia Tech's, George, Georgia Tech's done. They're toast under Jeff Collins. Just yeah. get the buyout down and get rid of them start new. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's a wrap. That's it. So the Scott Leffler game of the week. Bowling Green <laughs> going to UCLA, Ooh. 2.30 Eastern, Pac-12 Network. <laughs> like 15 people will see it because of the awful Pac-12 television deal. I don't need to wind you up on that one, Tony. Um, <laughs> You're a UCLA guy. What do you have to, I, I got UCLA big here. What do you have to see out of UCLA under, under Chip Kelly briefly? I, I just want to make sure I give you the floor here real quick. Yeah. You got to see a better defense. I mean, he, he was forced in order to get his contract extension. He was forced to fire his long-term buddy, Jerry Azanero. Which you as were calling for for a while. You were calling for that. I was, I was, they had one of the worst defenses in the country every year. And part of it was personal as an arrow never spoke to the media once in his four years there, even though his contract said he was supposed Witness to his protection. Exactly. Uh, he's so that, he's in wake forest. He's in that wake forest pit. Exactly. Brad. Exactly. Yeah, that was it. And Kelly would never make him do it. And it was, it was stunning. Um, so look, they've got Bill McGovern in. we'll see what kind of defense he's got. One of the things they're going to look for is the aggressiveness of the defense, not so much for McGovern, but because of their new linebacker coach, Ken right. Norton Jr. Right. Um, you see the you see him at practice just hyping the guys up like crazy. He's a high energy guy. UCLA fans had turned on him when he went to go coach for Pete Carroll at USC. Um, and then, you know, ultimately followed him up to Seattle. But we'll see what he does. It's it's they've got they've got a ton of of offense back. They've got Britton Brown who to me, I mean, not, not, sorry, Zach Charbonnet, Britton Brown's gone. They've got Zach Charbonnet coming back at running back. To me, one of the top five or six running backs in the entire country. This guy Very is just player. a bruiser, just a bruiser um, with speed. So uh, the offense will be good. Dorian Thompson Robinson is back for his fifth year. You know, he'll be fine. He'll be good enough. They lost a lot at receiver. Um but they got a transfer from uh, Duke who, who will be good, Bobo. And we'll see what the defense looks like. They're gonna, the game is at 1130 in the afternoon, which I will tell you in Pasadena land means it will be about 100 to 102 degrees yeah. at the yeah. stadium. Um, UCLA has got the ultimate cupcake out of conference schedule this year. Um, they play Bowling Green. Alabama State and South Alabama all at home. Um, this game will be a blowout. It will be the, uh, we'll see what Chip Kelly is wearing on the sidelines. Last year in the first game against Hawaii, he was wearing shorts. And uh, the father of his wide receivers coach 
went on the air on his radio show on ESPNU and gave him grief for doing it, that would be one Rick Neuheisel. And so when I asked Chip about Rick's criticism, Chip snapped back that, you know, he had stolen the clothes from Rick's golfing wardrobe. Um, and, you know, the whole thing got played out on ESPNU radio for a couple of days. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on whether Chip is sporting shorts again this year. But the game's a blowout. The crowd is going to be very small. Right. Um, UCLA has been going backwards in attendance for the last three years. Now you got a game on Labor Day weekend in a 100-plus degree temperature in the middle of the afternoon against Bowling Green. They'll be lucky to get 35,000 there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this should kick off Scott Leffler's final year at Bowling Green with a bang. Yes. I think he's going to be fired. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Tony, Tony, really appreciate you coming on, helping us preview the ACC, and then giving us the UCLA tidbit against Bowling Green because usually glad we just to say, do it. usually we just pick against Bowling Green, but this this one had <laughs> an intrigue since you cover UCLA so closely. So uh, that helped. Uh, to recap our locks real quick, I, I locked up Virginia Tech my seven and a half at ODU, and Tony and I both locked up Louisville minus four and a half on the road at Syracuse. We'll see how things play out, Tony. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Last Word on College Football. If you go to lastwordonsports.com, the network has like 400 writers all around the world covering all kinds of things. We even cover like rugby and cricket and things I don't understand. Um, but you click on the college football link, you'll get to us. We've got 23 writers across the country covering different beats, different teams. Really proud of them doing a great job. So there's new content going up multiple times a day, every day. We've got a Facebook page you can go to. You can find us on Twitter at last word on CFB. Or if you want to chat with me, you can find me at Tony Bruin. I did not change my tag when I moved out to North Down. Carolina. Down. It's not, it's not demon deacon Tony or anything like that. It's still Tony Bruin. And uh, so you can find me there. Awesome. Tony, really appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll have you again soon. Glad, glad to do it, Mike. Big thanks once again to Tony Syracuse for joining the podcast to help me preview week one with Joey out. As I mentioned earlier in this podcast with Tony as I was kicking things off, Joey was still going to give his picks on this podcast. So we wanted to give him the opportunity to do that Chris Berman fastest two-minute style, except it was more like fastest eight minutes. Anyway, here's Joey. We'll see you guys in the recap. Week one in the ACC. Let's start on Thursday night. The number 17 Pittsburgh Panthers taking on the West Virginia Mountaineers in the backyard brawl, a game we haven't seen in a long time we've been looking forward to. Pitt, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Total is 52. Panthers, your reigning ACC champions coming into this game. They won the championship on the back of a strong offense led by Mark Whipple, Kenny Pickett, and Jordan Addison, three individuals who will not be representing the Panthers on the field in this game. I think the Panthers' offense slows down a little bit. It looks a little bit more to uh, Pat Narduzzi's liking. Take that to mean what you will. Uh, I think Pitt wins this game, but give me West Virginia in the 7.5. I think Pitt wins this, but kind of close and in a little bit of a low-scoring kind of game. Uh, let's say Pittsburgh wins 24-20. to 20, uh, and Definitely give me the under 52 in this game, and let's lock up that total. Uh, lock up the under. West Virginia in the under but Pittsburgh gets out with a, uh, a low-scoring victory here on Thursday night. Let's move to Friday night, 7 p.m., the Virginia Tech Hokies on the road taking on the Old Dominion Monarchs. This is a dangerous in-state road game. 
going to be a Super Bowl for Old Dominion. Virginia Tech, a seven and a half point favorite in the game. Total is only forty nine and a half. Uh, let's take the let's take the Monarchs and the points. Seven and a half again. It's their Super Bowl, first game under uh, under new coach Brent Pry for Virginia Tech. I, I'm concerned about exactly what is this offense going to look like this year under a new new quarterback group. A lot of questions for me with the Hokies this year. I think they win this game, but give me Old Dominion and the points. Uh, again, kind of a lower scoring, close, uh, maybe a little bit of a nail biter for the Hokies in this one. So give me Old Dominion and the under here. But uh, again, I think Virginia Tech gets out with a, a low scoring, close win. Uh, following that up, Duke hosting Temple. Duke, a seven point favorite at home. Total is 51 and a half. Let's go with Temple here. I, I'm not looking to lay a touchdown with Duke right now. I, I can't do that. Uh, again, bit of a hard rebuild year for Duke. I, I'm not sure that Temple's all that good either, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, if I'm getting seven points here against Duke, I'll take them. Uh, I'll just take those points. Uh, I, again, low scoring. I'm, I got the under in this one as well. But again, Temple plus the seven and under 51 and a half. I think Duke wins. But, again, I think it's kind of close, kind of nail-biter. Be, be, be very careful there, Duke. This is a losable game. Uh, all of them are very losable this year, and, honestly, most of them probably will be losses. Moving to Saturday, the number 13 NC State Wolfpack on the road in Greenville taking on the East Carolina Pirates. NC State an 11.5-point favorite. Total is 55. This is a dangerous spot for NC State. Once again, speaking of Super Bowls, this is East Carolina Super Bowl. They're a home underdog. They love spoiling NC State's day and year whenever they show up. They are going to be up for this game. But you know what? I believe I believe in my NC State Wolfpack. They are going to win the Atlantic Division. They're going to win the ACC. They're going to start by winning this game comfortably. They are going to cover 11.5 and win this game going away. Uh, total is 55. Give me the over. I think there are some points that are going to be scored in this game. Uh, but give me NC State something like 38-24. I think they, they win this game fairly comfortably and, and get the, the get their campaign started off on the right foot. Uh, later on, Boston College hosting Rutgers. The Eagles a seven-point favorite. Total is only 48. Boston College gets Phil Dracovic back and healthy. To me, that makes the difference here. Uh, Rutgers might be a little bit overrated this year, and that is saying something because it's not like they're rated particularly highly. I like Boston College at home to get the year started off on a good note. Um, I, I think that they can cover the seven here. I, I'm nervous about laying all those points, but let's go with Phil Jerkovic and his Boston College Eagles. I think Boston College wins this game maybe something like uh, 28-17. Uh, kind of, again, kind of lower scoring, but uh, I think that they'll be able to get it done. North Carolina on the road in Boone. North Carolina, a one-and-a-half-point favorite, but I have seen some some different things in this line. Uh, this is a very dangerous spot for North Carolina going to play a really good App State team that uh, is, is looking to take advantage of some defensive deficiencies, we'll say, that we saw from North Carolina in Week 0 in a bit of a struggle to beat Florida A&M, a depleted Florida A&M team at that. I'll tell you this much, I ain't going with North Carolina. I think App State not only covers the one and a half, I think App State gets it done on the field. I, I think North Carolina's going down here, and I, I I was really disappointed with what I saw there. So give me App State plus the one and a half and outright. I think they win this game in Boone. I think it's a nasty wake-up call for North Carolina. They're going to have to really get, get it together to get going this season. Uh, Total, again, is 56. I do think it's going to go over. Uh, I think this is, this game's going to have a lot of points scored, not a ton of defense. This is going over, and let's lock that up. Lock it up. Uh, 
give me the over in this game as, as my second lock of the week. Later on, Louisville on the road taking on Syracuse, our first conference game of the year. Louisville, a four-and-a-half-point road favorite in the facility formerly known as the Carrier Dome. I don't know what it's called now, but it ain't called that anymore. Total is 56-and-a-half. This is, an, again, Louisville favored. Louisville trying to get off to a really good start here. This is an important game for them uh, in a lot of ways. And I think they'll get it done, but this makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. Give me Louisville to cover four and a half. I think they can win this game. I think Syracuse is going to try to run the ball a lot and try to shorten the game, limit possessions. Uh, again, think it's a little bit lower scoring. I, I don't think they get past 56 and a half, but uh, let me have Louisville. I'll lay the four and a half and think that they win this maybe by a touchdown, something like 31-24. On Sunday, the Florida State Seminoles traveling to New Orleans to take on the LSU Tigers in the Superdome. LSU a three-point favorite in that game. Total is 51 and a half. I've said it before on this podcast. I'll say it again. Do not bet on LSU in this, or bet against LSU in the Superdome. Excuse me. LSU not easy to beat in the Superdome. They call this a neutral site game. It is not. This is basically a satellite home game for LSU. Just bet the Tigers. I think they will win this game. Florida State, I don't know what you take away from the game against Duquesne last week. Uh, everything seemed fine. Uh, seemed like you know weather was at play. A lot of things that they just didn't really want to show a whole lot. So I don't really know what to take away from that. But what I do know is LSU very talented, better roster. Uh, they new coach under Brian Kelly. Still, I, I think this being a de facto home game, starting out that era right, I, I think they're going to get it done against Florida State. Florida State going to fall to one and one in my opinion. So give me LSU minus the three. Uh, might come back and lock this one up later. We'll see. Finally on Monday. The Clemson Tigers on the road, kind of a neutral site game, kind of a road game. Georgia Tech is hosting in Atlanta uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where the Falcons play. Clemson a 22-point favorite in that game. Total is 48-and-a-half. Again, it is two hours away from their home campus, but they might have more fans in the stands. You can tell how much I am looking forward to watching this game. For what it's worth, I, I don't like this pick at all, but let's take Georgia Tech in the 22. Uh, I, I think that this is a lower-scoring, kind of a, a frustrating game. I think Georgia Tech might be a little bit better than a lot of the public expects them to be. I think Clemson is not going to be as good as the public expects them to be. So I think this is a little bit of a, a closer game than a lot of people think it will be. Uh, total's 48.5. I feel pretty good about the under there. I really don't think that either team is going to be particularly adept at scoring here. Uh, Clemson had a lot of problems on offense last year. I, I some of those might be improved. I don't think that they're going to be just like all of a sudden totally resolved. So give me Georgia Tech in the 22, uh, but I think Clemson still wins this comfortably, something like 28-14. Again, kind of a lower scoring game. That's all I've got. Lock up the under 52 for West Virginia and Pittsburgh. Lock up over 56 for North Carolina and App State. And you know what? Let's just lock up LSU minus the three against Florida State. Uh, and uh, let's call it those three locks for week one for me. That's all I got. Hopefully talk to you guys after week one.